G'day, Ben here. It's Christmas Eve. So wherever you are in the world, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, I wish you happy holidays and I hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you are. Now, my gift to you in episode 124 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast is the replay of one of my most favorite episodes and interviews for 2019. Now, the guest that I want to bring back to you today is Brian Fanzo. And this interview with Brian not only is full of energy and insight about how to market to millennials, but it was also one of my most thought-provoking episodes that has influenced my own marketing in 2019 to date. So without further ado, let's jump on in to this replay episode from episode 62 of the podcast. Here we go. You know, there's that old Kevin Costner movie, The Field of Dreams. And the tagline was, if you build it, they will come. And my, my message to marketers out there is, if you're building it and expecting millennials to come, you're wrong. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of effective video marketing to attract your tribe and grow your business. Yes, thanks for joining me today because this is episode 62. This is going to be a good one. And in today's show, I'm joined by the one of a kind, Brian Fanzo from iSocial Fans to talk all about engaging with millennials in your marketing. And of course, we're talking about video. Now, Brian is someone who I've come to really admire and he's doing some awesome stuff online. So I'm stoked that I could get him onto the show for you today. Now, Brian Fanzo inspires, motivates, and educates businesses on how to leverage emerging technologies and digital marketing to stand out from the noise and to reach the millennial and Gen Z consumer. He has a diverse background working for the US Department of Defense in cybersecurity and then as a technology evangelist at a cloud computing startup. And he's currently the founder of iSocial Fans, which has helped launch digital and influencer strategies with the world's most iconic brands like Dell, Adobe, IBM, and SAP. So, you know, just the little guys. Now, we've actually got a lot in common, myself and Brian, as we're both the same brand of millennial. We're both dad to our daughters and we're both lovers of strategic online video. Now, if you wanna hear more of Brian, after this episode, of course, you can tune into one of his two podcasts, FOMO Fans or Smack Talk. Now, Brian has traveled to over 70 countries and has spoken at many of the world's largest events, including South by Southwest, Social Media Marketing World, Mobile World Conference. But today, he's about to be right here in your eardrums. So let's get on with the show. Brian Fanzo, welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, mate. It's awesome to have you on. I'm really looking forward to everything that you'll be able to share with us today. Thanks for having me on. Excited to make this happen. I know we had a, we had a juggle, juggle a little bit of schedules and some some time zones, but uh, glad glad to be here. Yeah, it's been a little while, um, and I've mentioned on the show that we've had this episode coming up, so I'm glad we're able to actually do it here today. So appreciate your time, man. So look, before we get into, I guess, the guts of the conversation, I would love for you to share with, with the audience a bit about your story. What led you to the world of 
digital marketing, social media, and particularly your interest in, in exploring how millennials and, and Gen Z are engaging on these platforms? Sure. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a unique marketer in the sense that I worked in actually in cybersecurity for uh, the Department of Defense here in the United States um, in cyber. And I fell in love with the power of technology to enable collaboration. And what that ended up, you know, the long story short of that is it ended up, you know, I really focused on the collaboration element of how do you build community? How do we do what we do great offline and do it online? And so uh, I went from the Department of Defense to a couple of different technology companies. And then for about the last five years, I've uh, been an entrepreneur uh, on my, uh, myself. And really what I've focused on is I'm a millennial myself, but uh, I like to say a pager wearing millennial, which what that means I was born in 1981, so I'm right on the cusp of that millennial Gen X um, boundary. But for me, one of the things that I've, I've really worked hard on is studying kind of how to translate the, the conversation between multiple generations. And I think one of the biggest you know, difficulties we have today, especially as marketers, is that for the first time in history, we have four generations in the workplace. And so there's baby boomers, Gen Xers, uh, my millennial, myself, and then the soon to be 18 year olds, which will be Gen Z and Gen Z is coming right up uh, hot on the trail. And so I work with a lot of brands and work a lot of businesses on how they can reach those pesky millennials, uh, which are making them a big part of the spend. So it's a little bit about what I myself uh, enjoy, you know, it's kind of like, okay, how would I attract someone that was kind of like myself, but also kind of working to understand the brand new emerging edge, uh, you know, bleeding edge technologies. And it's a lot of fun. I get to help, you know, brands uh, connect in really human ways, uh, leveraging technology. I love that idea of the pager wearing millennial. I think I'm, I'm kind of in the same, in the same boat. So I was born in 1981, although I never owned a pager. So did you really own a pager, Brian? I, I did. And I actually have one. I carry one on stage. You know, my full-time job now is a, is a keynote speaker. And so I use that as a prop. I actually wear it. It doesn't work, but I, I did actually have one uh, through high school and uh, early years of college. But those are those days where, you know, uh, and the reason I say pager wearing millennial is I like to make sure people realize that Oftentimes when we picture the millennial, uh, people assume it's the born on Facebook, cell phone in high school. And for us that were in 1981, like we got out of college before Facebook even existed. And I think I use that as an example of saying, okay, this might be that millennial, but millennials range from 37 years old all the way down to you know 19 and 20 years old. So we really have a wide range that we have to connect with. And so some of us wear pagers and of course, some of us were born on the Facebook. So let's talk about millennials though, because um, I think for many people who are targeting millennials and Gen, Gen Z, they probably think surely that's, that's easy, right? Social media makes it super simple to reach those guys. You know, they're on those social platforms, you know, many hours a day, um, you know, probably more on the social platforms than they are in face-to-face -face networking type environments. Um, so surely it's easy to, to reach millennials with your marketing, right? So what's the problem? So I think, you know, it's one of those things where we, we kind of get either it's one side or the other. We assume that every millennial is very digitally enabled, which we, you know, I think when we, we put a, we start assuming an entire generation is one way or the other, that's usually a big problem to begin with. But a second one of that is 
though, especially millennials, you know, those that are technology savvy, oftentimes they're smart enough to see through advertising. They're smart enough to understand that when, when, when they're being marketed towards. And the interesting thing about millennials, I think, especially over every other generation, is they're used to targeting, but they're also used to getting things their way. And I, and I say there, I say, I'll say my way, where if you look at it right you know, today's generation, we don't like commercials on TV. We don't, you know, so when we see an ad, we, we understand that what that ad is. And, and I think with so much distraction going on today, you have to find a way to connect at a level that isn't marketing, isn't sales and build a relationship because they are very savvy. And you know, the reason the apps like Snapchat came out and were so popular was it wasn't because Snapchat did something crazy innovative. It just made it really hard for marketers to disrupt their experience. And so one of the things I like to remind a lot of marketers today is that, you know, there's that old Kevin Costner movie, The Field of Dreams. And the tagline was, if you build it, they will come. And my, my message to marketers out there is, if you're building it and expecting millennials to come, you're wrong. Just because you have a Facebook page, just because you have a website doesn't mean they're going to come to you. And so the real difficult thing of marketing towards this younger generation is you have to go to where they are at and you can't market or sell them. You have to actually build a relationship. And yes, there are some you know, exceptions to the rules if you're you know, using Facebook ads and you can retarget. But I think for the most part, it requires a strong relationship and also also a strong understanding and willing to listen to where people are. And so that's one of the hardest parts, right? It doesn't mean that you have to be on every channel. It just means you have to listen and understand where they're at and how they like to be engaged with on those channels. So as a brand or a business, how can you, how can you approach that idea strategically? So, you know, if they're fully on board with the idea of, you know, not selling, but building relationships with their prospects on that, on those channels, yeah, how can you do that? Like, I mean, obviously, if you're a personal brand, you can build that personal relationship, right? If you have a figurehead or someone within your business who can be, you know, engaging and, and building relationships on those on those platforms with their with their ideal audience, but as a as a as a brand as a business who doesn't have that, how do you do that? Well, so first of all, I would say, you know, for brands, it's time to embrace employee advocacy, right? It's time, you know, you are, your brand is great because you have great employees. More than likely, you have millennial employees that are already uh, working for your company that already are willing to tell the story and be your face of your company. But one of the things I like to say is that you have to be able to talk with your audience, not talk at them. And that does require a human face. So it, it does require empowering employees. Um, one of the other pieces of that, you know, when it comes to content creation is you want to include them in the conversation. So one of the one of the things I work with every brand that I that I work with, I always ask them, have you asked your audience via your email newsletter what's your favorite channel that you are engaging with us at? Right? Just simply asking the audience, right? Asking if you already have a captured audience or maybe your a brick and mortar store, when people are coming to your store, ask them how they found you or what channels they might follow you on social media. And so this is one of those things where we, we've always been used to broadcasting at, at people, but we have the tools today that we can ask questions. And the question becomes, are we willing to listen, right? And so I think that's one of those pieces. And I do think it does require to put a face on a brand. I don't believe especially today's day and age, nobody really trusts a logo. No one trusts a brand because they've been around for 60 years. We trust a brand because of the people that represent that. And so one of the, the chapters of my upcoming book that will be my first book is that, is that the future of marketing is relatability. 
And the only way you can relate with your community is by empowering. And it doesn't have to be your leader. Oftentimes when I, when I talk about this, people are like, well, my CEO doesn't like to do this. Or my CMO, she's not you know, real active on social media. It's not about the leaders having to do it. It's leaders giving buy-in and trusting their employees to tell a story. Because we've, the old adage since, you know, since the dawn of sales, people buy from people they like. Well, my, my advantage or what I tell you now is millennials buy from people that it can relate to them. So if you can relate to their, a millennial's pain point, if you can talk with a millennial, the, the chance of them buying from you is much more likely than if you're just broadcasting a message or even just using ad retargeting. So it does come down to empowering your employees, but also being willing to ask a question listen to the answer, and then actually you'll leverage that. I think it's, it's also an interesting world where we ask a question, we get an answer, and we don't like the answer, and we continue doing it the same way we've always done. And that's, that's really a great way how you alienate, especially the younger generation. Yeah, so you've had a lot of experience working and consulting with large, hulking organizations like, like Dell and Adobe, Samsung, other, other big brands like that. And where do you see that those guys are really struggling when it comes to, to reaching millennials and Gen Z and you know, both what were they doing wrong or what are they doing wrong? And what are some examples of them doing things right? So I think you know, this is one of those weird spaces where you have to move away from what you do, the product that you sell, or even the logo that you are, and you have to start talking about the why, right? We've heard Simon Sinek's the why, but how do you do that if you're an iconic brand like an IBM or a Dell or SAP or an Adobe? What you have to start doing is you have to start really empowering that like conversation, right? And so I think, I think live video, Facebook Live, Periscope, even YouTube Live, has really disrupted this space because all of a sudden now, and you know, one of my favorite brands, if you guys uh, aren't familiar, We Are Cisco is, is a brand. And uh, it's Cisco, the networking company, but they do an amazing job of allowing their employees to take over their social media accounts. And so I think one of the things that brands were doing wrong uh, where they were talking about their product, hey, we have the best servers, we have the best, you know, we have the newest phone that's coming out. And I think today, and I, and I would even argue Apple has this problem, is we don't need another iPhone. We don't need another Samsung device. We, all, we are inundated with devices and products, but we do, you know, we want experiences. And this is a statistic that I use a lot on stage is that three out of four millennials would spend their money on the experience over a product that they desire. So an experience. So what I, what I tell marketers are, are you marketing towards three quarters of those millennials? Or when you're, when you're doing a, a post on Facebook or you have an Instagram account, are you talking about the product or are you talking about the experience it enables? Because people, we're, we're, we're the, the, and that's a really struggle. And it's one of those things where it's easy to do on certain things, but then we get away from it, right? We're like, ooh, well, we didn't have a strong call to action. And it's one of those things where, if you start focusing on the experience, the, the, the consumer ends up making the call to action for you. And so that's one of the places that I like to start. I think live video is a great way to do it. You know, I, I live streamed at the Super Bowl for 20 hours at the Super Bowl uh, here a couple of years ago with SAP. And SAP, all we did was we interviewed their executives using live video and we humanized executives at a company like SAP, a global technology brand. And what it did was, it, it, you can't say that it sold an individual product, but it humanized a brand that at the time was very logo-based. And even to this day, two years after I did that project, 
I would have people send me a tweet and say, hey, Brian, I was watching this commercial. I remember that you worked with SAP and I was told my boss that we should, we should look at their services, right? And it's like, it's that long form relationship building. And so I think that's the biggest problem is that we're still looking at a product or what we do and we need to figure out how do we enable an experience and talk about why someone should buy from us, not what they should buy exactly. Yeah, I think what you've hit on there is is how a lot of this is very hard to measure and therefore for for many organizations they find it hard to hard to understand the return on investment of that sort of activity. So you've touched on it a bit there, but but what would you say to, to businesses that are thinking, well, I don't really understand how that's going to help me sell our stuff? So I think one of the things is it is a long game. You know, there is no shortcut, especially today's day and age. I think trust is one of the hardest things to build with your community. It's the easiest thing you can lose. You can lose it by doing something wrong. We've seen plenty of brands do those like massive mistakes where you're like, Ooh, you just, you've been building up rapport and you, 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 your credit card numbers got hacked and now we don't trust your brand or whatever it might be. But I think one of those other pieces about like that long-term game is you have to be willing to measure different things, right? It's not measuring that every time I post, it leads to a purchase. It's okay. If I'm doing a six month campaign and my goal is to drive traffic to this website, let's not focus on how, what post drives the traffic, but let's talk about the global success. One of my secrets that I always do uh, when strategy building is we start with what does success look like not what is what is success if we were okay hey let's let's and i'm working with ibm right now on a on a really cool project called a call for code and what they're doing is they're getting developers to sign up to come together and collaborate on and on this massive code problem or code uh, initiative and they're going to solve these massive uh these uh massive issues like right now they're focusing on natural disasters but one of the things that we're doing is we're playing the long game it's six months of content it's you know but when what, what's really nice about this is when we start really building that trust and the messaging starts getting down all of a sudden the groundswell really takes off and so i always tell you know brands you have to start you have to invest just as much time. And oftentimes people say, well, what's the ROI? And I will challenge back. What's the ROI of your commercial on TV? What's the ROI of the billboard you have next to the highway? There, there was no, you know, you had projected eyeballs or total possible people that were watching your commercial. That, that's one of those things where we can now measure better than we could for those type of projects. But it is a long game. And I think the other piece of this I want to warn people is that Oftentimes, like email newsletter, we invest six months, a year in building our, our email newsletter. But when we launch a new project like Instagram or a live video, we'll spend three weeks on it and then call it a failure and throw it out. And I, I challenge you, for every one of these initiatives, spend as much time and as much resources as you do with every one of your other marketing initiatives, and you'll see that return. I think that's one of those, that, those sticky subjects where you're like, well, I did live video and I didn't see a return. And my question back is, did you invest as much as you would on email or your website as you did with live video? Most of the time it's like, no, I haven't. I was like, well, how could you expect equal return if you're not willing to spend equal investment? And the other piece of that is, you know, it is a long game. And I will, I will challenge people that technology that's available to us today doesn't replace what we do elsewhere. It amplifies it. So if you want really good live video, I'll help live video grow your email newsletter. I'll help live video grow your, your, your Black Friday sales here in the United States day after Thanksgiving. I'll use it to amplify something, but it doesn't have to replace. Uh, that's, that's another thing I think we get in sticky areas. We try to replace something with something else. And today it's about how do I go to where my audience is and invest in that long-term game? 
really good advice because for so many people, particularly in the video space where I work is the idea of, because it's so easy to create video, it's so easy to go live. You can pull out your smartphone, press that, press that damn button. We'll get to your book in a second, but because it's so easy, people don't see the need to invest as much time into thinking strategically about how to use that. So you, you would think strategically about redesigning your website and what content's going to go on there and how you would approach it. You'd invest time, effort and money into that. But when it comes to you know implementing some of these digital marketing strategies because it's so almost free and easy, they don't invest that time and effort upfront, right? Yeah, it is. And I, here's the interesting thing: if you want, in my opinion, the 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 easiest way to be great at video and, and allow your video is to be consistent. Right. It's just like all the rest of our marketing consistency. And weirdly enough in video and just like podcasting on a lot of these other channels, it's the, it's the easiest thing for us to do yet. It's the thing we forget to do. Right. And I, I say this a lot, you know, the reason live video is powerful is because anyone can do it. The reason most live video today is not very, very good is because anyone can do it, right? So, yeah. you know, like I, I say press the damn button, but it's press the damn button, start putting your message out there and then build a strategy behind it. And I think great live video amplifies great produced video. I think great produced video can leverage great live video to better understand their community. So I think this is another one of those things where just because you can press the button, just because our mobile phones are smarter now than ever before, I actually think it goes the other way. Just now because our phones are so smart and we can just press the button, now you have to put more time, more effort, more listening into it because now more people are getting in the game. It definitely shrinks the diff distance between us and our consumer. The question now is, what is your strategy to really stand out with that consumer and make a difference? So let's talk about push the damn button. So that is the title of your upcoming book. But yeah, to tell us tell us a bit about what what's the core message there in that book, and and what are you trying to impact in the world through that? So I think in today's day and age, there's we have so much information and so many tools at our disposal that we kind of get we get stuck oftentimes either afraid to do something new or we're so overwhelmed we're chasing every shiny object. You know, and I host a podcast called FOMO fans, which stands for the fear of missing out. So I, I love FOMO. I'm all about the shiny object. But when, I, when we're looking at marketing, we have to market to where our customer is today, but listen to where our customer is going tomorrow. And I think one of the things that really became a frustration for me was that I would build strategies, help brands see the light. Um, we would start doing these new things, but they would never start. They would come up with all these excuses. Well, the lighting's not perfect, or maybe it's not the best time, or this is our down season, or we need to focus on sales. And so it became, a, it became a massive frustration because the only way to embrace this new change is to do it, right? You have to put one foot in front of the other and actually put it out there. And so the premise of the book is press the damn button, put your message out there. I, I put this tweet out there yesterday on, on, on Twitter. I said, you know, the world is full of bad news. The world is full of brands doing things badly. If you, if you press the button and get your message out there, it's the best way to place to start. And you know, we have things like virtual reality and augmented reality. We have artificial intelligence coming down the pipe. And I love those technologies. But if we're not willing to press the button today on these small changes like Instagram stories or Facebook Live, we will never be ready for augmented reality, virtual reality. And so my, my challenge with it throughout the book, and really it's my challenge with what I, I do on stage is, Start today, start embracing change, start trying something new today, because eventually that change is going to come down the pipe where all of a sudden, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's augmented reality, maybe it's virtual reality if you're in the training area. But before that comes, you have to get in this mentality of pushing the button and putting your message out there. And that's really the premise of what I talk about. And it's amazing 
because when someone presses the button, they stop overthinking it. Most of the time they come back to me like, Oh, Brian, it was really that easy. I was like, I know we've spent six months and all I wanted you to do was press the button. And so that's the, that's the core message there. And I, and I really challenge everyone out there. You know, when you're taking notes, you're learning and listening to podcasts, take notes, listen and learn, and then implement. Don't be afraid to implement now because we're all learning together. There is no secret recipe. There's no, you know, 599 course that you can buy that does all of these things. We all learn together. But the, the difference is, I'm willing to press the button and learn. You have to be willing to do the same. And that's kind of the, that's hopefully what we can inspire people to do across the board. Yeah. I love that idea of FOMO and push the damn button because something that I say all the time to people who are, who are umming and ahhing about using video within their organizational business is how would you feel if tomorrow you woke up and your biggest competition was doing video? You know, yes. so if you get started now, before your competition does. And it, the reality is in so many industries, the competition is not using video effectively. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's great advice is just push the damn button and get out there. And I think the other side to that coin is, you know, by, by doing, you can learn and you can make mistakes in this space, right? As yes. long as you co you're going at it in a human centered, authentic way, I think particularly when it comes to live video, it's, there's a lot of tolerance for mistake. So can you talk to that? Like how people can actually learn by doing and by making mistakes. So I, I said earlier that I think the future of marketing is relatability. There's no more, no easier way to be relatable than making mistakes because guess what? Your consumers make mistakes. And, you know, I, I, I ask every audience that I speak in front of, I ask a question to the audience. I say, name a brand or a person that is perfect. And not one person, you know, sometimes they'll say Mother Teresa and I'll be like, well, she won't even admit that she was perfect, right? Like, but like, but so we have to get over this thing. And so I say perfection is a fairy tale. And if you're willing to embrace that perfection's a fairy tale, it's amazing by, by simply making a little bit of mistakes. Oftentimes your community now likes you more. They respect you more because if we don't believe that any brand or person is perfect, why are we trying to put a perfect message out there, the perfect video? And another secret to this is, nobody loves themselves on video, right? I mean, any of us that have done a lot of video, we still watch video now and we take notes. We're like, ooh, why was I talking with my hands so much? Why was I bobbing my head back and forth? I didn't look in the camera. So I think video is one of those things that people assume that, you know, those that are doing a lot of it are doing it well, they love it. And it's not that, they're not always the case. And it's a matter of we're willing to tolerate more imperfections because we realize that oftentimes our imperfections are what make us relatable with our audience. And I think there's nothing more powerful than video today. I think of it this way. If what you do offline is really good, if you are great at what you do offline, the number one way to convey that message online is video. Without question, doesn't matter how, how great your blog, your website, your email newsletter is. If you can connect with people via video, it'll match what you do offline better than any other medium there is. I think to play devil's advocate here though, um, for example, we work with some, some industries uh, like the financial services industry. We work with some companies who who are, they have a lot of regulation around what they do. There's a lot of therefore fear in creating content without it going through layers and layers of, of checking and legals and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I still feel very strongly that, that using video and using, you know, video in the moment and authentically like you're, like you're talking about here is, is still hugely valuable to those, those sorts of businesses, particularly in the advice space, because what we're buying in the case of a financial advisor, for example, is 
that person, you know, that relationship. Yeah. So, but there's so much fear um, around saying the wrong things. Um, what would you say to, to that? No, I, I challenge that. You know, I worked with the Department of Defense here in the United States. I had the highest civilian clearance, uh, security clearance you could get. And one of the things that I was inspired by now looking back is uh, D Defense Intel is a brand here in the United States that is the U.S. Defense. And they do some amazing things with Facebook Live, Instagram Stories. But one of the things I, I challenge if you're looking at regulations is ask, start thinking, are those regulations stopping me from doing something? Or am I using them as a crutch to prevent myself from doing something different? Oftentimes, it, you know, and this is one of those places where if you do it and then present it back to the governing body and saying, hey, this is what I did. I want to see if this violates what we talked about. It's one of those things usually they're like, oh, no, that actually was really good. Now, if you're going there and saying, hey, I want to change these rules, oftentimes you get pushback. So I'm a big believer in that, in that element. I also think baby steps, right? It's, it's not about if you're if your brand is really worried about doing a couple big things, start very small start. OK, let's do video you know, in a hallway. Let's do thought leadership outside of our business. You know, I, I did some work in the Pentagon and a lot of the stuff we did in the Pentagon was on the road. Right. We did we did these airplane or uh, airport uh, events where we would do interviews at the airport. And the idea was like, hey, we're always traveling. Yes, we, we we're prevented from talking about our job inside of the four walls of our business because of the regulations. But what if we, we share thought leadership and build trust outside? And then last but not least is don't be afraid to embrace customer testimonials as a great place to start, right? If you're, if you're worried about video and what, what you don't want to put yourself on video because of the regulations, well, more often than not, if someone else is talking about your business or your brand or the services you're provided, they kind of fall outside of your scope and that's a great way to get the ball rolling. And it's amazing because all of a sudden you're like, well, we got those five testimonials approved. What about we do one with, with one of our own employees doing thought leadership? They now have something to compare it against. I think the hardest thing, we, the thing we, we need to stop doing is we can't force change. We have to teach change. And the best way to teach change is by doing it, doing it by baby steps. And then slowly that ball gets rolling. And I'm amazed oftentimes some of the regulated industries are coming back to me and saying, we're, we're disrupting our entire content plan because we now realize that we are preventing ourselves from doing things for no other reason than it was a, a, a rule that we had in 1999, right? Before we even understood what was going on in the online space. So sometimes you have to get that ball rolling and you'd be amazed where it goes. Awesome answer. And this is why I do this podcast. Because now I'm going to send this episode to the financial services firm I was talking to last week. So yeah, I love appreciate it. that, Brian. Um, so you talked before about um, the ease of pushing the damn button and how people uh, it can often, you know, screw up with that, you know, so basically just end up adding to the noise out there. The fact that just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Um, so where do you see people who are pushing the button? making mistakes, screwing up. So I think one of the things is that we, we, we press the button and we press it a couple of times and we allow the pushback to, to prevent us from continue going, right? You're going to have haters. You're going to, it's going to take a little while. I mean, growing a podcast to me was one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. It's, it's a slow churn, right? You're getting five or six more subscribers with each episode, but it's one of those things that once you get the ball rolling, all of a sudden this trust and authenticity and it, and it does some things. And I think the other piece of this is consistency takes time. So when, I, when I'm working with brands, I'm like, let's do it every Friday for six months. Don't do it every Friday for four weeks and give up, right? That's one of the, I think people press the button and they get scared. And the other piece of this is just because someone else told you they do it every Friday at 3 p.m. 
doesn't mean that your audience is ideal every Friday at 3 p.m. or 1500, right? You have to, you have to kind of figure it out for yourself. One of the things I, I like to say is you don't know what works until you push the limit and, and see it work. And then once you figure out what works, now it's your job to be consistent and, and deliver that, right? And I think this is one of those other pieces. I, I said consistency and most people, I think, unfortunately, when I say, I say be consistent, they think that means every week or every day. And here's, here's the secret. Whatever you want to be consistent at, put that expectation out there immediately, right? So if you are, if you can only do a podcast every month, tell people from the start, I'm going to podcast every single month. And then you must deliver every month. It doesn't, consistency doesn't require you to do something at a, at a high rate. And then I think last but not least in this idea of content is I think we have to move away from creating content for content's sake. We have to start focusing on what great content looks like. I think, I think if you are a brand, you can create one great video and you can take the transcript of that video and create a blog post. You can take three great videos and turn it into an infographic. You can, you can add it to content on your website. Like I think we, we got into this space where we heard that content was king and, and then people started blogging seven days a week. But I would, I'll go ask a brand, why are you blogging seven days a week? They have no idea. They don't know if their audience likes it seven days a week. They don't know if their traffic would go down if they started blog, blogging four days. Like you'd be amazed that if we, if we moved away from just creating content because someone told us and we start doing it with, with a strategy behind it. And so I think it's that, it's that, it's that push versus love, right? Like someone will tell me, Brian, our clients aren't on Instagram. And my question back, have you surveyed your audience to make sure they're not on Instagram? And the other piece of that is, are you only trying to reach your final customer, right? This is one of my favorite things is that, you know, I, I worked with a skinny jean company, a, a jean pant company. And one of the things they realized was they, they target 30 to 40 year old females. But the people that influence 30 to 40 year old females are actually 13 to 17 year old uh, girls, because these are moms that are influenced by what their daughters are wearing, about what the young kids are wearing in the mall. And so this, this jean company that was targeting 30 to 40 year olds was actually using Snapchat very effectively because they weren't trying to reach the person wearing the jeans. They are trying to reach the person influencing the person wearing the jeans. So yes, your customer might not be on Instagram, but the person your customer listens to when making a decision to purchase might be on Instagram. I think that's the, that's the last piece of advice that I really have in that press the button. Like you'd be amazed how many brands all of a sudden start using a platform. They're like, my customer might not be there, but there's a whole lot of people there that help my customer decide to buy my product. And they're probably there waiting to, to, to be, you know, build that relationship with. Yeah, awesome. Well, Brian, I for one look forward to to seeing your book come out and grabbing a, grabbing a copy. Absolutely. So for for anyone who's who's got a lot of value from listening to you today and and want to listen to you further, um, to follow your podcast, to follow your video content, where is the best place for people to find more about Brian Fanzo? So I preach that consistency is key. And so I have to kind of back up what I preach. And so I am I social fans, a lowercase I social fans with a Z or a Z at the end. So it's I social fans, every social media channel that's out there from Instagram to Pinterest to, to LinkedIn, you can search I social fans and find me and my website's isocialfans.com. And if you're listening to this in the podcast format, uh, you can just search I social fans in your podcasting app and both of my podcasts come up there as well. So uh, this is a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. And when's the book coming out? Uh, we're going to, we're, we're targeting an early uh, 2019 and, and the secret about it is there might be two books next year in the same year. So uh, I'm setting the bar high and, and trying to reach for the stars. Awesome. And we'll try and uh, get you back on the podcast when the book comes out so we can talk about that. Thanks again, Brian. It's been a, an awesome chat. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. 
Man, such a good chat. If we had more time, I reckon I could have shot the breeze with Brian for another hour or so. But what did you think though? I'd love to know. Shoot me a tweet or DM me on Insta at engage underscore Ben. You can check out the show notes with links to Brian and his podcasts over at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 62. And hit that subscribe button now because next week I'll be back at you again with a solo show where I'll be breaking down five important steps to position yourself as an expert through online video. So I can't wait for that one. But for now, thanks for listening to Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Don't be a stranger. Email me anytime, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and let's start a one-on-one chat there. So until next week, I'm Ben Amos for Engage Video Marketing and I'm here to help you engage your audience and grow your business through online video. See you next time. Hey, Ben here. I just want to take a moment to help you out with something. If you, like many of the Engage Video Marketing podcast listeners, are looking for ways to do video for your business better, then keep listening. I've put together a free foundations video course designed to help you better understand the fundamentals of effective online video strategy for your brand or business. The three-part video series will step you through the roadmap to ensuring you know what videos to make and why, so you can get started the right way with video for your business. To jump in right now for free, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com foundations. I can't wait to see you there.